0: Welcome to Planes, Trains, and Kids Abroad. I'm your host, Erica Budd, and my goal is to inspire you to travel with your kids to other countries. From single parents to families of eight, each experience is different, and each person provides a different perspective. If you like the show, please leave a podcast review and help other listeners to find the show. Don't forget to check out my award-winning picture book, Travel Rangers Mission to Australia, and take your kids on an adventure to learn about the country and culture of Australia. Now, let's meet our next guest. Okay, so today on the show, I am joined by Dax Hammond. Um, it's kind of interesting. He and I met. I was just on his podcast, The Achievers, and that'll be coming out soon, so you'll have to check me out there. Um, but when Dax and I have been speaking, we kind of realized we had more in common than we thought. So I'm happy to have you on the show. Thanks for joining me. And I'm going to just have, start by having him tell us a little bit about him and why I asked him to join us.
1: That's great. Thank you, Erica. Um, we are a big traveling family. Um, I have four teenage daughters, which I know some listeners are now sort of rolling their eyes and wondering if you're not watching this, then I'm going gray because of that. (laughs) And they've been very, they've had to have a very international life because our family has been very international. Um, I was born in England and three of my children were were born and raised in England in their early days. My ex-wife, their mom is South African, and so uh, they definitely have that part of them as well. And then I now live part of my time in the States and part of my time back in England. And my stepdaughter here is American and she goes back and forth. So it has been for them really quite a a lot of traveling, but it has inspired them and it has set such an amazing tone to their life. Um, they were very young when they said they were going to set themselves this goal of seeing 30 countries before the age of 16.
0: And they set and this goal for themselves.
1: They set this goal. They are very much... I've got an idea, I've got a plan, I'm going after it. And, and so how they, old
0: were they when they set this school?
1: Oh, probably, uh, my oldest two are twins, then nine, I'm now 19, uh, my youngest is uh, 16. So they were probably seven and five, seven and four.
0: Wow, <laughs> okay, that's great, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. wonderful.
1: Yeah, so they, uh, they achieved it, which is astonishing. They've actually now been to more countries than me. Um, I think they're at uh, about 40, 41. Now I will say, it is a little bit cheating living in Europe because, of course, going to countries in Europe is a little bit like going to states in the United States. Um, yeah, but between yeah. being in South Africa with their mom and then being in Europe and then being in the states with with us, sometimes it's uh, it's soon added up.
0: Yeah, but they like it and they do it. And, and I think what I love is that at such a young age they just knew that that was a possibility, right? Yeah. Uh, you and I have kind of spoke about that, how a lot of kids don't even realize that. I mean, I meet kids all the all the time that don't realize how many countries there are in the world. So for your girls at five and seven to say, 30 countries, let's do it. You know, I love that.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's been good. And I think I've often thought, where did this come from? My parents, uh, when my mom was 22 in England, She was living in the north of England, sort of post-industrial revolution, you know, by a long time. My mom's not that old. Um, But, you know, the north of England has not necessarily had the vibrancy and wealth that the south of England had since those days. And she qualified as a nurse. And there was an ad in the newspaper. This must be the mid-60s. Traveled to Africa for five pounds. And it was they wanted nurses to go live in Africa and sort of what was still colonial Africa at the time. And so she did that. And she did a full year out there, and she was going to do a second until she fell very, very ill, and they didn't know what it was. And it turned out she'd contracted this thing called bilharzia, which you get from um, dirty water. And they brought her back to England, and they basically told her you're probably going to die. And wow. the Tropical School of Medicine in London. There was a recent grad who just read a, something about bilharzia, this disease, and so he sort of saved her life. He said you you'll be paralyzed, but you'll live, and thankfully she survived and was not paralyzed, and you know she has a bit wow. of a leg issue, but nothing more significant. But I think that instilled it in my sister and I, and then I think we have then just instilled that in our in our children. So I think a lot of that comes from her probably originally.
0: Yeah, but you would almost think that would scare you from traveling, right? Huh. From that experience, you would think it would do the opposite.
1: That's that's an interesting question. I've never thought about it from that point of view, actually. I think maybe I'm generally an optimist, so I guess I used to hear that story as a kid and see the photos and things and just thought, that sounds amazing. I want to go do that as opposed no. to thinking, oh, my God, she almost died. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, that's awesome. For See, for me, uh, my first See, for me, we don't count Mexico, which I always feel bad for Mexico, but that's the country that most every American travels to is Mexico. So we don't really count Mexico. But So for me, the first country I traveled to was Spain when I was 18, and I, as an au pair, had an awful experience. And yet somehow that didn't keep me from traveling the world. So I don't know. Maybe it's just if it's meant to be in your blood, you could go the the positive way, the optimistic way, or the scare, scare way, you know?
1: Maybe it's also an indication that traveling overall, no matter when things – even when things go bad, is so good and is so enjoyable and is so enriching that it really has to be utterly awful for it to – stamp out that love and um uh, sort of enjoyment and interest that comes from going in the first place
0: and you mentioned i'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of parents are scared to travel with kids because of everything that could go wrong or you know the fighting or whatever what is your what do you say to parents that are afraid of that
1: that it's hard, right? There's no sugarcoating it. Um, mm-hmm. I saw something just this morning that said parents don't go on vacation; they just have to look after their children in a different city. And there is some truth to that, right? Depending yeah. on the age, and and every child is different and has a different temperament, and some are going to be comfortable with new environments, and some are really going to be shaken by it for a little while. And you know, I I had twins first, and the thought of Taking them somewhere and breaking that routine that you spend so long getting them into in that first 18 months is is, you know, a big eye raiser. And I flew to South Africa with them once on my own, you know, two bassinets in the plane changing through Dubai long, long all day. I don't know. It it's ultimately, though, so fascinating and so rewarding to go to those places always be prepared for more than you ever think um my uh, my wife her daughter my stepdaughter once threw up 3 times on a domestic flight in the states all over my wife sarah and also on the passenger next to her and she'd taken two changes of clothes but she didn't think to take three why would you and so ultimately <laughs> carried this little girl off the plane oh. naked at this point wrapped in a in an airline blanket straight into a bathroom with them both just covered head to toe in in kid vomit so things happen and the more you can be prepared for them then the less of an issue ultimately it'll be at the end of the day
0: and i think it's it's the more you kind of accept that it's just part of traveling but a couple things you said one a couple takes takeaways from that is things happen domestically or internationally so it doesn't matter it's just part of travel yeah two i want uh, your wife was prepared like and that's one thing to remember she had a couple changes of clothes and that's one thing i be uh, traveling kids just be prepared you're going to have to bring more than you hopefully will need to use but it's just easier if anything does happen and three i just want to comment way to go you for traveling single at two bass i never hear dad's traveling uh, on their own with kids so this is this is awesome to hear that you travel two Bassinets with a guy i mean or for the dad I, I love hearing that any before we go into your stories, because I do want to hear about your stories, but anything you could say to parents that are terrified of traveling on their own, especially with babies?
1: You know, something I've found as a dad traveling with my kids, which I do extensively and always have, um, very strangely, even in today's day and age, it's often sort of not accepted. Um, I've had really? people say some pretty crappy things to me. I've had... really, Yeah, I, I mean, I was on a... I think it was an Air France flight going uh, Manchester in the north of England, to Paris, down to South Africa. And um, the flight crew asking, was I really going to be able to cope? You know, deciding whether I wow. should be allowed to stay on this plane uh-huh. with my kids. Um, wow. There are still lots of places where there's no changing facilities in men's bathrooms.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and that's getting better. And I just got used to the fact of in most countries, there are certain cultures. I wouldn't do this. But in most countries and cultures, when that happens, I just crack open the women's bathroom door a little bit and shout that, you know, I need to come in and use the changing facilities. I'm a dad with kids and every woman's embracing of that yeah. in my experience. So that's that's sort of nice. Yeah. Um, So I, I I don't mind it. And I just sort of got used to, I think those, those attitudes, um, and sort of put those to the back of my mind and never really sort of let me, let me stop doing it. Um, when they used to live down in South Africa, uh, if you don't know the geography inside of South Africa are two of the smallest nations in the world they're entirely landlocked by South Africa. They used to be called Lesotho and Swaziland and Swaziland's now called um Eswatini I think is the pronunciation. Um and Richard E Grant the actor was born and raised in in Eswatini and go listen to his interviews about that country. Okay. But I took my kids there when they were little and when we got to the hotel the maids at that hotel kept knocking on my door every hour asking if I needed help, essentially parenting my kids. They said, we can come in and bathe them for you. We can come in and feed them for you. And it was utterly Uh. mind-blowing to them that as a dad traveling solo, particularly with girls, that I wouldn't just freak out and, and have a complete meltdown.
0: That is so interesting. I've never... You know, thank you for sharing that because it's something I've never thought of. Uh, you know, like I said, I usually you usually hear parents but you, or mothers, excuse me. But that's interesting to hear how guys are perceived that do that. I would have never guessed that you're actually are you capable to even do this? And that is not just it's it's multiple cultures are thinking this. So, wow. Yeah.
1: yeah. I also think that I think guys and, and this I'm I'm perfectly happy is happening Um. Guys, I think travelling alone with kids will be more under suspicion for trafficking um than yeah. I think women will be. Just four or five weeks ago, the Eurostar train that goes from London to Paris now goes London to Amsterdam direct. Cheap, easy, it's great. And I took my sixteen year old for a for a quick two night trip and she got she's sixteen now, she got asked a lot of questions by the uh, by, the European border force, um, to make sure that she was comfortable traveling um, out of the country with me. And you know what, I, I'm all right with that. I am totally okay with the fact that they're doing a job and they're making sure kids aren't being vulnerable and um, uh, are in danger. But I only really see that happening a lot to guys, not really to mums.
0: Yeah, you're right, because I travel with my son alone all the time. Um, and I've never been questioned once. I mean, I have a letter even from his dad, just in case. Um, which, you know, I always see if different parents. I'm traveling alone with my child. Should I bring it? Which I always say yes, because you never know. when it's easy to bring a letter. Um, sure. But they don't bat an eye. And I can see. I mean, unfortunately, yeah, they're profiling, right? It's it's. But I kind of have that same mindset as you. Is they're profiling for a reason, and I'd rather them be safe and hopefully catch people and for, that must mean that more guys are doing it than women which yeah,
1: is i think yeah i think that's
0: really interesting i never thought about it from a man's perspective a single man so so yeah thanks for sharing so okay well you know <laughs> and your travels oh my goodness well we were talking about what you were going to speak about today and you, <laughs> your list of stories was like Seriously, these are the options you're giving me who has these stories. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, let's kind of start with South Africa with the girls. let's ta- let's start with that story. and how old were the girls and what happened?
1: my um so my ex-wife, when we got divorced, my ex-wife uh, wanted to do a teach training, and uh, the timing for doing teach training acceptance in in England didn't work out. And the academic year in South Africa goes January to December, and there was a place. So she said to me, Can I go live in Pretoria, which is the administrative capital of South Africa, for a year whilst I do teach training? Yep, great. We have this wonderful relationship. I said to her, my ad agency is growing more in the States than in England. So whilst you do that for a year, I'll go to San Francisco and and do the ad agency thing. And every six weeks or so, I do the San Francisco to Joburg trip. And my deal with the kids was I would draw a a ring around Pretoria on the map. And wherever they put their finger, that's where we'd drive to. And they Love put that. their finger right on the Mozambique border, which, you know, Mozambique is still perilous today. And it was it was worse. So sort of 10 years ago. And so we headed out and drove over there. It's five, six, seven hour drive. I can't quite remember. And I cheated a little bit and pulled in where they'd put their finger just so we weren't going to drift over the border. Yeah. But where they put their finger ultimately sort of really was middle of nowhere. But there was this dirt road and it seemed to indicate that there was something going on up there. So I drove all the way up in a crappy little rental car. It was an entirely the wrong vehicle for this for this expedition. (laughs) And there were these huge ornate sort of wooden gates at the end of this road. And I. It still makes me laugh today. In my head, I thought the safest thing to do was we were going to approach these gates, but I would reverse, I would turn around the little rental car and reverse up to the gate. So if it was something weird, then I could drive away faster. I mean, okay, obviously, good thinking. <laughs> yeah, well, in my crappy little rental car, if they had guns, I mean, I wasn't getting away that fast. So I drove up, and they were just in hysterics at me. They thought this was the most <laughs> ridiculous thing they'd ever seen some British white man do in, in South Africa. Uh, turned out it was a great place to stay. And so we went in and we acquired this little wood hut, little two story thing. It was great. Little kitchen inside of it. And, uh, we parked ourselves up there for a week and my little one was two going on three. And so the twins must've been five ish. And there was no bathtub or anything. There was an awful shower, and so we sort of blocked off the plug hole with some towels and would let that fill up so they could like bathe in it, which was pretty funny. <laughs> so so That's one resourceful. of the uh, yeah, I mean, got to make plans, right? So one of the evenings, it was coming up on sunset, and where this place is, it looks down into the Kruger National Park, which probably many of your your listeners have heard of, and it's probably one of the more famous game reserves left in in South Africa. And at the time they had closed off the best part of it, which is called Crocodile River, which if you've ever seen Lion King or ever seen a documentary where all the animals come together at sunset to drink the water, and they seem to have this unspoken rule of we're not gonna eat each other here. The watering hole. Yeah. Right. That's Crocodile River. (laughs) And uh, so it was closed off, but from this little private game reserve we'd ended up in, we could look down onto Crocodile River. So there were no people anywhere. It was sunset, it was amazing. So these three little girls are crouched on the ground with their faces to this really flimsy three foot high chain link fence looking down on the river. And they'd be like, dad, it's an elephant. Dad, it's a giraffe. Dad, it's a big tall bird. a stork. Um, And it was just animal after animal after animal. And I'm stood there thinking, my God, dad of the year award right here. We're looking at this scene. This is Lion King in real life. Nailed it. Got this one right. And all of a sudden... The entire world started shaking and it was the hairs on me instinctively went up. My chest was pounding like you were in a nightclub and it was full on base turned up to level 11. It was terrifying, dramatic biological reaction to something that was happening. And my brain initially went to this is an earthquake, I need to get the kids in the car. This is a really bad idea. We're on a high point looking down into a game reserve full of animals. I look down at the kids that looking at me as little kids do, looking for sort of guidance. The older two are utterly terrified. Like the look on their faces is the most scared I've ever seen them. The little one, and she's still like this today, Felicity, giggling, just giggling away. <laughs> they're Whatever terrified. was happening, she's giggling. she was like, yep. I don't care. This is funny to me. You three are all weird. And it stopped. And I'm stood there and they're stood there and we're wondering what on earth it was. And it just started up again and one of the kids pointed. Now I'm colorblind. So I am the worst at spotting wild animals in the wild because Mm -hmm. they blend in even better than they do to everybody else. And I I can't see anything and she's pointing and she's pointing and she's pointing, pointing. And then I had this Terrifying realization that about twenty feet in front of us, with just this three-foot crappy chain-link fence between us, there is a male lion, and his mane is vibrating from his roar, and he's just sort of lifting his head up and he's looking right at us. And it's oh, coming wow. up on sunset. It's coming up on one of their hunting times. Oh wow! I grab those kids and we dive into the car like it's almost like a movie scene i jump in with them and land on top of them and somehow i'm pulling the door shut behind me with my foot i'm like okay at least we're in the car we lock the doors for some reason like lions can open (laughs) open (laughs) car um and we sit there for a moment and we just crack the window and we watch and this lion, it didn't stand up, but it just lifted its head and it looked over at us and it looked down in the valley. And the valley where Crocodile River was, was, I don't know, a quarter of a mile further down. Every single animal around that river gave deference to that lion. Even the elephants turned and started walking away from the river. Once he spoke, that was it. Everything else left. And we but stayed. Seriously, there. is
0: that a Lion King? I mean, that's crazy to see that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. that's so what was was it him walking? What did you guys feel? Like what was the
1: It was the roar. It was just from, it was the roar. It was just the roar that created that utter terrifying sort of sound. And we were so close to it and it is so loud and has so much like bass and reverberation to it that you felt it before you could comprehend what it was you were hearing
0: yeah that would have been terrifying
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i took my mum back to that same spot a couple of years later um but we were staying we were just sitting on a little front porch of the house with a, a very big fence sort of you know away from us so we didn't mind sitting there and you would hear the lions a lot um and we went for a walk one night and about six uh six yards 10 yards something down from where our house was just around the corner when they'd been building the fence there'd been a big boulder in the way about two foot tall so instead of moving it they just stopped the fence on either side between us and the lion reserve and so god knows what would have happened if if a lion had suddenly decided it it could jump a two-foot boulder
0: okay so just like with the experience we were speaking about before that didn't keep your kids from obviously wanting to travel anymore they're they're they were scared at the moment moved on and let's go
1: right they got they will talk about that as a something they don't remember in detail because they were very young, particularly Felicity, um, being three-ish. But they will generally describe that experience as a great life moment, as an experience that they had. And, you know, they dine out on that story.
0: But wait, that wasn't the only time that they you had your little brush with death, right? Wasn't there a, another crocodile story, too?
1: Uh, I'm banking on the other crocodile story.
0: Uh, oh, no, that was on Crocodile River. That's what I'm Oh, thinking. yeah, yeah. No, that
1: was on okay, Crocodile River. Okay.
0: Sorry. That was Crocodile um, River.
1: Yes. They did sort of back, back to, I'll tell you one more though, back to the idea of dads traveling alone. When I drove them over that border into Esteswani, um, I was trying to teach them the difference between countries and continents. And so particularly with South Africa, because South Africa is the name of a country, but it's in Southern Africa, right? So it's a lot of subtlety for very young yes. children.
0: And that's confusing for, uh, I think, most Americans too. <laughs> so. I think so.
1: I think so. <laughs> um, so we're driving along and I finally think they've got it and you drive through one fence and you get out of the car and you're leaving South Africa. So you go to the hut for them to stamp you out of South Africa. And then there's a bit of no man's land where you drive to the next hut to then enter Esteswani. Right in no man's land, little kid chirps up. So dad, what country country are we in now? Is this a country? Is this a continent? I'm like, oh, it's a good question because I have no idea. I don't know how they decide who owns no man's land. But I got to uh, I got to the border post to go into Swaziland, and they look at the kids and look at their passports, look at me. Fine. They ask, uh, where's your wife? And I said, well, she's at home in Pretoria. They said, um, do you have a do you have a maid or help traveling with you? And I said, no. And they said in utter bemusement, who's going to look after the children?
0: Oh, that's just so amazing to me. How many different cultures do not expect a man to be able to take care of their kids?
1: Really, really the case. Anyway, so they stamped our passports, but they gave me, they literally tore off a piece of paper from a pad and scribbled something on it and put it on my dash. So we drive the next 20 yards before they open up the gate for you to go into a 20, And the security guy says, I need you all out of the car. Fine. It's Africa. I mean, sometimes you just got to give them some some yeah. money, you know, bribe, bribes are common. He didn't want bribes. He said, uh, "He said, open up the, the trunk of the car. So I opened it up and I said, can I help you? You're looking for something. Do you want me to take the luggage out? He said, no, no, we just assumed you were smuggling your wife in the back. <laughs> you assumed? <laughs> He's like, well, yeah, yeah like, you can't look after the children. And I said, well, wow. Yeah. Yep. So we put all the suitcases back in and he he let us enter Um, Swaziland. Wow. So
0: they couldn't possibly fathom that you would be taking the kids somewhere on your own you had to have been smuggling your wife
1: yeah it's wow. extraordinary isn't it
0: and so that was a while ago though do you think anything's changed like it's
1: a good question south africa itself is um is under flux e- even right now we're we're looking at the um current president of south africa sort of facing a bunch of issues it's a stunning country. Um, it has a great deal of complexity. My forefathers have, you know, created colonialism in Africa and and destroyed that continent in so many ways. And we have a hell of a lot to be blamed for. Um, we stripped of of its assets and, and left it. Um, it's, it's awful. It's awful. Um, so I don't know. Um, I would guess there certainly probably more than in the States and in Europe, you're still going to get that um that type of of attitude. And probably all around the world with older um yeah, older I people, can see I that. think particularly I can older see women.
0: That. And I think it's good to be aware of that because again, that's something that you don't ever think about unless you're in that situation, right? We all have those situations. Awesome. Okay. Well, before we wrap it up, I love those stories. Thank you so much for sharing. Um I do want to, I know you are a big advocate for, for families and kids traveling before we wrap up though. How do you think all of this traveling did like, how, how did it impact your girls?
1: It gave them a sense of, um, there is so much more out there always to discover it also gave them a sense of how they live their lives is fundamentally different to how every other human being on on earth lives their lives and of course the more extreme places you go the more that difference mm-hmm. grows but even even when they're at school with their friends you know they've got friends who've traveled more than them they've got friends who've never mm-hmm. left england or or america um, even that is is something for them to learn. I think it has left them more tolerant of other people and views. I think they will be worldly educated and aware individuals when it comes to growing up and voting and thinking about issues. And I think it will help them see things probably from other people's point of view. And I, I hope it's given them a real sense of, of em- em- empathy to their fellow sort of humans really we we have a phrase in our family of grow yourself grow others which is the idea of work hard for what you want but at the same time recognize that we were all born insanely lucky and we've had extremely lucky and and incredibly blessed lives and it would be it would be awful to not then share that with other people and grow them and so i think that i think that travel has allowed them to get a sense of that's a good thing to do and that a lot of people in the world need help in all sorts of different ways and and i hope they will carry that message for the rest of their lives and hopefully down to their children if they choose to have some
0: and it's not just the children too it's people they meet right that's the thing it's it's really is that trickle effect that you know you 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 impact your you yourselves your kids and then whoever else you speak with as well so it's endless love it well, thank you very much for coming on the show, Dax. Again, check us out on the Achievers podcast as well. Uh, you can hear Dax and I again, but from more from my perspective. Uh, thank you for doing the show, and I look forward to uh, hearing more about your stories, because I'm sure the stories are not over for you and your family.
1: <laughs> That's probably true. Thank you, Erica
0: okay well if you enjoyed the show make sure to follow us on facebook at planes trains kids abroad to get updates on upcoming podcasts share your own overseas travel adventures or ask questions from other parents who have traveled abroad if you would like to join me as a guest on the show please sign up at planes trains kids and help me to inspire other families to experience their own overseas travel adventures i want to thank you for listening to the show and thank ray ortiz for providing music for the show until next time